0: Learn more at Marines.com. Ohio! Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I'm Lux. At least that's what I tell people. I should probably go by a real name at some point because I'm, I'm very slowly realizing, or rather I, I quickly realized this but wanted to pretend that I didn't know this, but uh, no one else does this. See, I come from the anime community, so I call myself Lux because everyone else uses a pseudonym. But when you actually get into something that's real, like baseball... Everyone's using their real names. And it's like, oh, well, I'd look like a big freaking nerd. Also, yes, this is this is my intro. What are, you, what are you talking about? This has always been my intro. It's been this. It's been the same intro the entire time. No, actually, I'm going to change the intro. Changes are coming to the Royal Deluxe Podcast because you know it's a new season. So I think things should change because I don't. I don't like things being the same all the time. Hurry for a new baseball stadium downtown. Woo! <laughs> I'm slightly joking about that one. Also, uh, apologies. I think I apologized last time, but I'm going to apologize again. Still not perfected. Still haven't perfected the new microphone. Still haven't really nailed it down yet. But working on it. Working through some kinks still. Just like everyone. I mean, that, that this is what spring training is for. It's for ironing out all of these wrinkles or whatever you want to call it. So, um... Yeah, I hope this sounds at least a little bit better than last week, though. Last week, I didn't realize that there were some things that were, like, removed. Like that little skit that I did where I was pretending to be stabbed the hundreds of times by many people, and I was screaming. I didn't realize I got, like, removed. I have this, uh, this filter on the NVIDIA voice thing. And, uh, it removes fan noise, which is pretty cool, but it also removes other things. (laughs) That's not supposed to happen. I didn't want it to do that. Um... Oh, yeah, and people might be, like, running around upstairs or something like that, because I live with family, and it's Sunday afternoon at 6 p.m. So, yeah, uh, but thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Oh, speaking of things that I might change, at Royal Deluxe Pod, that's the Twitter. Uh, keep up with that, because, like I said, that... Might also change like I might be not just going by Royal Deluxe podcast. I mean, I think the Twitter handle is going to stay the same, but let me let let me just say, okay, let me just let's just let's just get this out of the way. Things are going to change, but it's okay. I'm still here. I'm still going to be doing this podcast. And uh, I think we're going to have a fun 2023 season. I'm looking forward to the 2023 baseball season more than I expected to, honestly. But that's just because spring training has been excellent so far. The Kansas City Royals are no longer uh, an undefeated team in spring training. So immediately after I was, you know, laughing and cheering and worrying about how great the, the Royals were in spring training because uh, they were undefeated in their first three games, they lost a game. <laughs> they, they lost immediately on Monday and they lost again on Saturday, but they played two games on Saturday. Aside from that, though. They were undefeated, baby. They are undefeated when they don't lose. You can't can't tell me nothing, all right? You can't argue with that logic. I've seen enough. Royals are winning the World Series, so they are nine and two in spring training so far. Yeah, man, I'm 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 stoked about it. I'm pretty excited, and it's thanks to the fact that they are just beating the crap out of some of their opponents. On Tuesday, they beat the Guardians twelve to six. Uh, they beat the Rockies eight to six on Wednesday. They won eight to four on Thursday. They won six to four on Friday. That was a relatively normal game. And then twelve to six on Saturday when they didn't lose to the Dodgers. They lost seven to six to the Dodgers. And uh, today they only scored five runs. Like f- five runs is an aberration for this team. Yeah, we ha- we have some absolutely outstanding going on in spring training which is presenting a very funny sort of double standard where we're looking at the hitters and we're going well i mean at least i'm doing this i mean i've seen other people do this as well but I'm at least going, wow, look at our hitters. We've got such great hitters. But then when pitchers give up runs, you know, you have to look at the, you know, some of these scores and it's like, oh, well, hang on a second. The pitchers gave up 10, 6, 6, 4, 4, 6, 6, 1 runs this week in all those games. That doesn't seem very good. But then we, we say, well, you know, these guys are all trying different pitches and different deliveries. They're all trying different stuff. And they're gonna make mistakes because of that. They're still working things out, just like me with my microphone. They just like me. Fr. Does anyone does anyone in this community understand what this means? I don't know who I'm talking to. I, honestly, again, I come from a completely different world, so sometimes I'll say something, and i was like, is anyone gonna get that? <laughs> does anyone know what fr means? <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of <laughs> old people, and I'm just I'm I'm like a TikTok. Zoomer. Does anyone know what TikTok is? Because if you do, hit me up on, on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod, because I have no idea. Okay, actually, I'm five minutes into this podcast, but let me tell you actually what's going to happen on the, in this podcast. Kind of Let me give you a little table of contents here. So we're going to continue talking about spring training, of course, because that's a thing that's been going on. The Royals have played eight games. They played one game every day, with the exception of Saturday, where they played two games. And I'm going to highlight a few... Hitters That I really like uh, from spring training so far. And in particular, I have two that I have circled or rather uh, outlined or uh, rectangled. Um, Just two guys that I really like going into the season. And I think that we should all really keep an eye on these guys because all right, sorry for that cut. I accidentally paused on audacity. (laughs) The chances of them breaking camp and making the team on opening day are is non-zero. I'm not saying it's like super likely, because the roster is interesting, and I kind of have written down some names that I think are going to make the roster just because they 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 were kind of already on the roster last year. We'll 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 get to this, uh, but yeah, but still, two guys I really like this season uh, or, or going into the season, two guys I really like from spring training that I want to shout out uh, among other guys. Um, we're not really going to talk about the World Baseball Classic, but that's a thing that's just worth mentioning. And then, I want to bring up the pitch clock. Uh, this is a new thing that's going on in the season, and we're seeing it demonstrated in spring training, so I want to talk about it. Yeah, it won't be a long conversation, it's just some general observations, what I think about it. Oh, and also... Nah, maybe I'll say that for another time. I was thinking about maybe talking about like the larger bases and the band of the shift. Maybe I could, but it's going to be a similarly short conversation because I don't have too much to say. But overall, it, it, it's it's nice that they're doing this. I guess they're they're. I think they're good changes to the game. Wait, hang on. I'm not supposed to have the conversation about it right now. Let me let, let's get back to spring training. Let's get back to games. Let's talk about games. Actually, before we even get to the hitters, I I wrote down the number of walks and strikeouts that Royals pitchers have accumulated over this entire week. So, um, for walks, I'm gonna I'm gonna go by each game and how many of a walk or a strikeout they they got. Okay, so that that was a really confusing way of putting it. So let me just say how many walks Royals have. Royals pitchers have. I guess, given up, thrown, accumulated over this past week. There were four on Monday, four on Tuesday, four on Wednesday, four on Thursday, three on Friday, three on Saturday, game one, five on Saturday, game two, and one on Sunday. That is 28 walks over eight games, which is a little under four, but much greater than three that's not particularly amazing that would actually put us in a similar position to last year which is yucky however it's important to highlight the strikeouts as well 10 strikeouts on Monday 11 on Tuesday 10 on Wednesday 13 on Thursday seven on Friday yeah I'm on Friday sorry I, I I'm dumb I have the attention span of a gnat anyway let can do this 14 on Saturday, 9 also on Saturday, and then 13 on Sunday. So, 10, 11, 10, 13, 7, 14, 9, 13. That is 87 strikeouts. 87 strikeouts in 8 games. The Royals pitchers, for the last week, have been averaging... Around 11 strikeouts per game. Just under that mark. So. Even though. The walks. Are in a similar position. To where they were last year. In this spring training. Strikeouts are way up. So. There's some progress to be noted. Now keep in mind. This is spring training. And like I said. Pitchers are trying different stuff. I also didn't exactly keep track of who is striking out who although I will mention that the 13 strikeout game was against the Giants who I don't think have a particularly strong lineup like I have the game thread open on reddit r slash Casey Royals check that out if you're if you're uh if you're brave enough to browse reddit <laughs> um and they have a let's see one two, three, four, technically. And I say technically because, like, technically, they have four hitters out of the 18 or so that they threw out in this game that are hitting above 300. And um, two of them have a 1,000 batting average, which means that they've probably gotten one mate or, like, two plate appearances or so. And, and another one's 500, so... Yeah, maybe not the best lineup, and also the the 14 strikeout game on Thursday. But no, that was Friday. No, that was Saturday. I'm sorry. I have again. I have it open right here. It was against the Reds, and yeah, the Reds had a terrible lineup last year, and similarly, they don't have. They're not looking too good right now. Will Myers is hitting 444. That's great. It's um, about it they's got they got Henry Ramos hitting 583 and uh someone else hitting 500 and uh, that's about it. So not great lineups that were striking out, but look, strikeouts are strikeouts. It's fine. I mean, you got those other games where, you know, you're getting 10, 11, 10, 7. Even even 7 strikeouts in a game isn't terrible, honestly. I mean, <laughs> if 7 strikeouts is the worst that they've done this week, then I think that's a good thing. So I'm at least seeing one number going up, and um, that's that's good. E- even if the walks are still not great, at least you're getting strikeouts. At least you're getting outs because you know. Remember last year? I think I don't think Royals, Royals pitchers were below eight strikeouts per nine. It was more. It was around seven and a half. So. Going up to 11 per nine. Now, look, the Royals pitchers aren't going to strike out 11 batters per nine innings the entire season. That's that's not going to happen. If they did, that would be insane. That would be, like, unreal. I mean, as an entire staff, that's crazy. You would have to have multiple Jacob DeGroms on your team. Multiple guys getting, or, like, multiple Garrett Coles or... Multiple Spencer Striders or multiple Corbin Burns is on your team. Like I, said, I guess I just made the rotation right there. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, Corbin Burns, Spencer Strider, uh, Garrett Cole. Who else is a big strikeout guy? Whoever. Yeah, you'd have to have them in, in in an entire rotation to get maybe 12 strikeouts per nine. And then an insane bullpen as well. But still, it's worth mentioning. That's what's going on in spring training. And I like seeing that. It's pretty good. Now, I don't really have any standout names to really mention, except for maybe Carlos Fernandez, because on, uh, what was it, Wednesday, he came out, pitched two innings, and he gave up an unearned run, walked one batter, and then struck out four. From what I hear, I didn't get to watch this game, but I, I hear that he looked really, really good out there. He was throwing in the upper 90s, and he got four strikeouts in two innings, so... Good for him. If he is able to put a better foot forward this season, awesome. That's going to be so great for us. As a starter, as a reliever, I'm not sure. But anybody in this ro- in this staff doing better than last year would be wonderful. But yeah, I, I don't really have any standout names because just because the what we've seen of pretty much every pitcher has been extremely limited. And even if you want to bring up the, the guys we should be looking at the most, like Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, Brad Keller, etc. cetera. Um, like I said, they're kind of doing different stuff. So yeah, they're, I'll say this. Their ERAs are not looking good. You know, Daniel Lynch has a 6.75 ERA. Obviously, that's pretty crappy but it's not really worth examining too much because they're just doing different stuff and it's just, it's it's a derusting it's a testing period so may if we get into may and his ERA is 6.75 then we can worry then we can start then we can start really analyzing what's wrong with Daniel Lynch along with any of the, any of these other guys if they're at that point so let me talk about some hitters because we do have not extensive looks at any hitter, because it's been a week, it's been 10 days into spring training, basically. So guys have maybe like 15 plate appearances, if you're really lucky, if the Royals really like you. So you can take these numbers with a grain of salt. But still, I have five players, five hitters that I, I like, and I'm not even including what I guess you could call quadruple-A guys. Like, Jose Brasino is hitting, like, 580 or something, which, you know, good for him, honestly. But I'm... He's not... It doesn't matter how good he hits. He's he's going to be a backup catcher on this team at best. Like, like maybe he can break camp. Maybe he actually can be a backup to Salvi, and then Freddy Fermin is either back in the minors or just a third catcher. Whatever. Fine. But he's not someone that we're looking at as a future role player on this team. Same with Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier's hitting really well this spring. I would certainly hope he's hitting really well, given that the competition is kind of lower, since other teams are throwing out uh, lesser pitchers, I suppose. <laughs> and Hunter Dozier has a lot to prove to this fan base, because he's the second highest paid player on the team now. <laughs> so... Yeah, and also, I guess, the second longest tenured at this point. That is weird to think about. Oh, man, Hunter Dozier is the second longest tenured player on this team. Yeah, everyone else is gone. Because not here anymore. Where did the time go? What happened to memories? I'm getting weirdly deep. So... 5 guys. Bobby Witt Jr. is number 1. 17 plate appearances, he's hitting 438. All right. Now we've kind of known Bobby Witt Jr. to be really good in spring training. He was good in 2021. People thought he should have been called up in 2021. I disagree because I dislike having fun. But then he hit 400 in 2022 and it was no brainer, obviously. So, 438. So far this season. Great. But why am I pointing this out? Because, you know, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Like, obviously Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be hitting really well. Well, he only has one strikeout. Bobby Witt Jr. has only struck out one time in spring training. That is worth pointing out. That is really interesting to me. Now, he also only has one walk. So, is this a matter of him making better swing decisions or make, or having better plate discipline? Or is he just simply getting a little better at putting his bat on the ball? I cannot say for, for myself, but I think it is still worth pointing out that Bobby Witt Jr., a guy who struck out a lot last season, has only struck out one time. In spring training so far. So. I'm going to take that as a win. I'm going to say that's an improvement. You know what? If he is going to still swing at everything. It doesn't hurt to be hitting everything. It doesn't hurt to be making contact with everything. He's hitting 438. So it's working. At least in spring training. Again. When we get into the regular season. And something's way different. Way off. He's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. And the numbers aren't so attractive. Then we can worry and then we can analyze it. But for now, I'm really happy with Bobby Wood Jr. Next up is Nick Prado. In 13 plate appearances, he's hitting 417. And that's pretty great because even though Prado didn't have a, 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 a an extensive uh amount of time in the majors last year, he was only hitting 180 or so. Out of all the, out of the power four prospects that we called up last year, Prado, Pasquantino, Melendez, Bobby, Prado was definitely the most disappointing. He, I mean, he he had some moments, okay? He hit seven home runs in 49 games. Great. Um, But, sorry, I got a little... I I was looking at some numbers. I I kind of wanted to maybe brag about his walk rate. It's 10.4%. It's okay. Uh, But anyway, he was was hitting 184. That's a little bit disappointing. So seeing him hitting really well, seeing him with a really high batting average just puts a smile on my face. Can't you just hear the smile on my face? I'm so happy. (laughs) I tried to make a little smiley sound effect. (laughs) Now, it is worth noting... That Prado's biggest issue, much more than batting average, was striking out. A lot. Which has actually been his problem (laughs) his entire career. He strikes out a lot. Well, he's also struck out five times in 13 plate appearances. You can probably figure out the math or at least guesstimate. It's over one-third. Probably somewhere around the 40% range. So... That's worth mentioning as well. But at least he's hitting more. I mean, I'm not going to complain if you strike out 40% of the time, but you're hitting 400. Is that even possible? I guess it is. If you strike out 40% of the time, but then you hit every other time, then yeah, you're going to be hitting 600. That would be awesome. You either get a hit or you strike out. Literally. No in between. Um, but yeah, still. Still. I think think Nick Prado is doing all right this spring. But, again, maybe this is the the shakiest positive that I'm pointing out because, again, 13 plate appearances, not a lot. So um, having a 4.17 average isn't so sexy. But I'm still going to celebrate it anyway. Why? Because this is my podcast. (laughs) Uh, And then we also got a shout-out, Samad Taylor. In 14 plate appearances, he is hitting 429, and he has one home run so far. That's pretty cool. Samad Taylor is a guy who has not played in the major leagues yet. So, good for him for having a really good spring. It is going to, I guess, uh, add to the decision-making that's going on with who's going to break camp. I don't think he's going to break camp, though, just because he hasn't played in the major leagues. I know he's like twenty-four or so. Um what was the highest level he played at? Let me get that up real quick. It was triple A last year. He played 70 games in triple A. Actually hit decently. He hit 258 with a 337 on base. And nine home runs. Okay. So you know what? Actually, maybe it's not as unlikely as I thought. Hmm. And 23 stolen bases. Oh wow. Ooh. Oh, this is actually interesting. Huh. You know what? This is a this is a the borderline guy that I should uh have circled. I don't think I actually had all the information that I really needed about Samad Taylor, but I'm definitely liking him. I'm I'm definitely liking him. So good for him for hitting well in spring training and just uh putting up some good numbers. And you know what? He definitely has an advantage now. Um as do a couple other guys on this team on this roster right now, because the World Baseball Classic is starting. And so I'm just going to kind of cut this in with uh, the point I was already trying to make. But yeah, the 10 players that we have on the World Baseball Classic, they're not going to be playing in spring training. So that's, that's 10 other players that get more time to play. So the 10 that are in the World Baseball Classic are Bobby Witt Jr. and Brady Singer, who are representing USA, Salvador Perez, Carlos Hernandez and Max Castillo, who are all representing Venezuela. Nicky Lopez and Vinny Pasquantino are representing Italy. MJ Melendez is representing Puerto Rico. Ronald Bolanos is representing Cuba. And Robbie Glendinning is representing Australia. I have no idea who Rob Glendinning is. Do you know who that is? I've never heard of this guy before, but whatever. The, the website said it, so I'm going to point that out. So, uh, so that's at least at least nine players on this roster that, or, or is I actually don't know if Bolanos is on the spring training roster. I assume he is, because he was on the major league team last year and the year before, and the year before that. So yeah, he probably should. He probably is. So that, that that's at least nine players on the spring training roster that are not around for... I actually have no idea how long the World Baseball Classic is going on for. But however long it is, prime opportunity for uh, these guys to not necessarily take their spots, but get to, they get to show off a little bit more. Because it's all eyes on them. So let me get back to my five favorite hitters from spring training so far. There are two guys and I'm like, Really excited for, really liking what I'm seeing so far. The first one is a guy that I think we're all familiar with. He's someone who is a borderline top 100 prospect, borderline top prospect in the royal system. He's Michael Garcia. Michael Garcia in 14 plate appearances is hitting 538. Yeah. You know, I'm not against the Royals putting him in Triple A to start the season, but they're making it a little bit difficult to justify. Like that was kind of my stance going into spring training, or going into the season. I'm thinking, oh yeah, Michael Garcia, just put him in, just put him in Triple A, just just have him start the season in Triple A. Like we don't need to rush him. I don't know what the big deal is I mean not that I don't think Michael Garcia can't be a big deal or anything but eh, it's fine it's just fine we can afford to do that but when he's hitting this well that's hard to ignore the big question is where does he play because he's said to be a very good shortstop the Royals have made it clear that they are not moving Bobby Wood Jr. off of shortstop right now they don't want to do that and I don't blame them. Shortstop is a very marketable position. You got a very marketable player, so yeah. But he can play second. He can play third. Um, and that's a big question. Is like the question of like how do you fit him onto this roster? Is because, well, the Royals have made it clear that Dozier is going to be playing third. Not that I think the Royals are adamant or uh, playing him every day. Like, like if Michael Garcia can force the Royals to not play Hunter Dozier at third every day and instead make him play th- third every day, that would be that would be just Christmas for me. That would be wonderful. Th- that would be the best case scenario, I think. But the bi- the the question that I'm really asking is, what do you do with Nicky Lopez? Because Nicky Lopez is a guy that's popular among the fan base, and I don't think people want to give up on him or anything. But it's just it, it, if you also if you want to keep Nicky Lopez around, you're also kind of hiding Michael Massey somewhere. What do you do with Michael Massey if Nicky Lopez is playing second? Like, where does he fit on this team? I th- I, I kind of thought Michael Massey would be someone that. You know, we'd get more of a look at this season and see if, you know, he's someone who could be like a regular player on this team. I'm not saying he is, but he could be. I don't think we've seen enough from him to justify making a decision on that right away. But, I mean, they're not really giving him an opportunity. I mean, I'm already like getting way ahead of myself. I'm not saying that the Royals aren't playing Michael Massey right now. Um I'm just saying, the addition of Michael Garcia makes this situation with Dozier and Nicky and Massey very interesting. And that's kind of why it was, uh, I'm glad I got to bring up Samad Taylor, because Samad Taylor also plays second base. Now, he also plays the outfield. The Royals have been moving him all around, which is good. But there are also quite a few outfielders that we have. You know, you've got Olivares, Isbel, and Eaton that that those are the three that i said are like most likely to start in the outfield or maybe mj in left field i'm still not entirely sure what they're planning with mj he's been catching in spring training a little bit but he's also been playing the outfield so i don't know maybe i guess they they're still going to they're still going to flip-flop him around i don't know um but yeah there's just a lot of guys in the outfield so it's not so easy to say, oh yeah, Samad Taylor could just be put in the outfield. Because then you got to move someone. Are we ready to move on from Olivares? I feel like we haven't gotten enough of a look at him. Because the Royals have wasted like two years of him. Uh, same with Kyle Isbell. Kyle Isbell has barely gotten a shot. Nate it was really impressive when we saw him last year. I don't want to... I don't want to not have Nate Eaton around. I think that he should be like a surefire starter on uh, on opening day at the very least. I don't know if he'll like remain that way for the for you know long term or even short term, but I think he makes the opening day opening day. For, I think he starts opening day somewhere in the outfield. So yeah, it's 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 hard to find a spot anywhere for anybody really. It's a very interesting problem. Um, yeah, the the kind of a, the the names that I've written down as like the likely opening day team at least at this point not saying the royals are going to do this I'm just kind of saying based on who we have and their history and things like that I have Salvi and Fermin at catcher Pasquantino and Prado at first base Nicky Lopez and Massey at second base Bobby at shortstop uh Dozier and Garcia I'm adding Garcia to this at third base And then the outfield of MJ, Isbell, Eaton, and Olivares is the fourth outfielder. That's 13 players right there. Like, you can't really add any. I guess in that situation, it makes makes the most sense to have Samad Taylor over Michael Massey because you can move Samad Taylor to the outfield, and you can't really do that for Michael Massey, I don't think. You can maybe move Nick Prado in the outfield. Like, I think they've tried that a little bit. I don't know if that's a good idea. Better idea than moving Hunter Dozier to the outfield, though. Do we want Hunter Dozier in the outfield or third base, which is preferable? Uh, uh. Well, again, this, can, this is a problem that can be figured out later. Let's move on to the fifth guy. Because the fifth guy that I really like, and the second guy that I have circled that I really like, is um, someone who hasn't really been talked about he's a very under the radar kind of guy because he was not drafted very high in fact he wasn't drafted at all his name's tucker bradley tucker bradley you know every now and then i will just have a guy i'll just see someone and be like that's my guy 2019 spring training i looked at scott barlow and i said that's my that's my guy He's going to be good. And it took a year or two, but Scott Baller got good. 2019, we drafted Vinny Pasquantino. I thought his name was awesome. And he started a year, rather, what what very short professional year he had was really good. And I'm like, that's my guy. He's going to be good. And Vinny Pasquantino was good. Tucker Bradley, I'm looking at him in spring training. And I'm saying, that's my guy. He's going to be good. Now, is he good? That has yet to be seen. But I like what we're seeing from him. I like what I'm seeing from him. He just seems like a guy. I don't have any scientific proof of this. I just have a gut feeling I'm very smart and know what I'm talking about, as you can tell. But he is in 13 plate appearances, hitting 364 with two home runs. Ooh, he has an on base of almost 500, but that's because he got a hit by pitch. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it doesn't count, but it it does inflate the number a little bit. He did draw a walk though, so good for him. Hey, um, but I don't know. I just like Tucker Bradley. I think that he's a guy to watch out for. And especially because it would just be a nice story if Tucker Bradley becomes a guy for this team. Because, like I said, he wasn't drafted. This was the consequence of the 2020 draft getting cut down to five rounds. So... There was a five-round draft, and then everyone else who was available was a free agent. But you could only sign these players to twenty thousand dollars. You can only give them a twenty thousand dollars signing bonus because, you know, it it sucks for the player. Like that's super bad for the players. Like you you're just like turbo wrecked right there. But It prevents a team like the Yankees from just saying, hey, we'll sign every available player for $5 million. They wouldn't actually do that, but still, it prevents teams from outspending each other on these free agents. So instead, the remaining free agents just kind of chose teams based on whatever criteria they could feel they felt was necessary. Maybe they just liked a particular team. Maybe they were friends with someone. Maybe it was a favor. But in that sort of a event, the Royals got six players from that, which was, I believe, I'm pretty sure, the most out of any team. Now, I'm not saying the Royals got this huge pool of talent, but I kind of like thinking of it as the Royals got six sixth-round picks in 2020. One of them was Tucker Bradley. That's where he comes from. And I think that would be a really nice... Little success story. That would be a a very small W for Dayton Moore because you know a very good thing Dayton Moore did is he took care of his players, and that's why the Royals had the most free agents signed in that 2020 quote unquote draft class because those guys were saying, yeah, we got the same signing bonus from every single team. Every single team called us. They all offered the same amount of money. But my agent said to sign with the Royals because the Royals are going to take care of me. Yeah. Now, there are other teams that take care of them, leaguers, like the Astros, even though we all want to hate the Astros. But still, the Royals present the, a lot of goodwill. And it brought us Tucker Bradley. So I'm going to root for Tucker Bradley. And uh, he's already 24. He hasn't played in triple A. But in AA last year, in 110 games, he hit 293 with a 382 on base percentage. Yeah. All right. 19 stolen bases, 12 home runs. You would like to see the home runs go up a bit. I will say that. That's maybe the one thing he doesn't quite have the power. But still, he makes a lot of contact. He draws a decent amount of walks. Doesn't strike out a crazy amount. He 84 strikeouts on 110. Not. Gr- it's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying, liking him so far. And I think it's not super unlikely for him to make opening day and just skip AAA altogether. Because the outfield is just really weird right now. I mean, Drew Waters was supposed to be on the opening day roster, I believe, but he's injured. So, no go there. And then Brewer Hicklin could have filled in. He's injured. And Diego Hernandez was on the 40-man roster. He could have filled in. He's injured. We lost three outfielders already. So, yeah, the pool comes down to MJ, Eaton, Isbell, and Olivares, I think. And who else? Samad Taylor, maybe? Diron Blanco, huh? He's hitting less than 100 in spring training, by the way. I think he might be the Brian Goodwin of the year—the guy who just gets cut in the middle of spring training because it's like, oh yeah, who was who are you again? What what does he even do? I don't know. Hunter Dozier can play the outfield, but let's not try that, please. So, maybe Tucker Bradley can play his way into the position. I don't know. Is that a is this a reckless predi- prediction? I'm not I'm not predicting anything. I'm not saying Tucker Bradley is making the opening day roster, but I do think it's possible. And even if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I'm still going to look out for him because he's looking nice so far. He's looking pretty good, and I think he can be a guy. Even though he's only like the, like like he's at like the thirtieth ranked prospect on our on our team. So <laughs> I I'm absolutely not picking some guy that everyone else is already like like Michael Garcia. You know, Michael Garcia is a guy that I like. Everyone likes Michael Garcia, but I'm gonna claim Tucker Bradley as the guy that I'm hyped for right now. So. Hopefully this ages well, and if it does, then I'm going to look back on this and be like, ooh, I know ball, hell yeah. So that's about it for the, the hitters that I really like. Bobby Witt Jr., Michael Garcia, Nick Prado, Samad Taylor, Tucker Bradley. Those That was not the order that I set them in, but that's the order that I wrote them down in on my little notepad. Um, good for them. Good for them. And good for the hitters overall, because the Royals are are on the offensive in this in this uh fine little spring. It is a fine spring. It was seventy degrees outside today. You know I got a, I, I quote unquote got a quote unquote new car this uh winter. And this was the first time that I had the windows down, driving home from work. Hmm. I sure live a wonderful interesting life right okay hang on i have to cut in i I don't know if you will be able to tell that i cut in but i completely i I did this entire podcast and then realized at the very end like as after i finished uploading it and i planned it for release and i'm like oh my god there's something that i really wanted to talk about and didn't and this actually is really important to this subject because it's I guess another solution to the outfield issue, if you want to call it an issue. But the Royals signed Jackie Bradley Jr. to a minor league deal with a spring training invite. And honestly, guys, I like this a lot. I'm actually a big fan of this move right here. Because, I mean, at worst, nothing happens. At worst, he stays in Omaha or just leaves the team, and we don't have to think about what could have been or anything like that. But what I think is maybe a little more likely to happen is a better case scenario where Jackie Bradley Jr. is our Michael A. Taylor of the year. Now, I'm personally a big fan of what the Royals did with Michael A. Taylor. They took a guy who has had a pretty unremarkable career and turned him into a two to three war player like Michael A. Taylor was replacement level in his six plus years with Washington he put up 3.6 war according to baseball reference in the two years that he spent with the Royals he put up 5.7 war most of that was defensively but that's fine. I'll take that. But he, even then, though, he was actually hitting better than he, he was for the most part. At least last season. Last season was arguably his best season. Not really. His 2017 was a little better. But whatever. Six and stones. I think that that could happen with Jackie Bradley Jr. as well. Because you've got a guy who has... He, he's still good defensively. I know he's 32. I'll say that. he's He's... Older than Michael A. Taylor is right now, but his his outfield metrics are really really good. I've got baseball savant right here. Michael A. Taylor was 88th percentile in outside of average last year. Jackie Bradley Jr. was 91st. Michael A. Taylor was 75th percentile in outfield jump. Jackie Bradley Jr. was 94th. And in arm strength. And arm strength, they were tied at 92. Now Michael A. Taylor runs faster than JBJ. That's fine. Um, actually, pr- significantly faster, which could make a bit of a difference. But still, you're you're you've the Royals signed someone with plus defensive metrics, and they're gonna make him play in Kauffman Stadium. Like I think that like Michael A. Taylor was probably already a, a great defensive outfielder, but he played in Nationals Park. Nationals Park is whatever. It's an average ballpark, I think. I have no idea what the metrics are really like over there. I'm pretty sure it's just an average park. It's really, it's a really boring park. Kauffman Stadium is huge. So you put someone with plus defensive metrics in, in Kauffman, it's going to matter a lot more than it would in Washington. And even more so for someone who's played in Boston his entire career. Well, not his entire career, but pretty much his entire career. Yeah, Jackie Bradley Jr. comes. He he played in Fenway, one of the most hitter-friendly ballparks out there, and now he's going to play in Kauffman Stadium. Like, I like that could actually be really, really impactful for us. I mean, okay, not like he's not winning an MVP award or anything, but again, if the Royals could take a replacement player in Michael A. Taylor and say, hey. His defense is going is going to be so much better in Kaufman Stadium that we're going to make him a two-war player. They can do that exact same thing for Jackie Bradley Jr., and that would be awesome. I'm not saying that JBJ is going to be a long-term replacement. I don't even know if he'll really be like a, a trade piece at the deadline, because he hasn't been particularly great. For a while, and I will say, for as much as I'm hyping up his defense, his bat has been pretty terrible. His bat has been absolutely abysmal for the last two seasons. In fact, it has been for pretty much his entire career. He has a career OPS plus of 84. Granted, Michael A. Taylor has a career, a career OPS plus of 81, but thing is, JBJ in the last two years has had an OPS plus of 45, which is like unusably bad. Unusably and awfully bad. But you thought Michael A. Taylor was bad in 2021 because his OPS plus was 77. That was bad. <laughs> JBJ in 2021 was that 35. <laughs> Michael A. Taylor was more than twice as good of a hitter that year. That's something. So, that is worth pointing out. Maybe the middle of the road for JBJ is that he'll be like the Billy Hamilton of 2021. Where he can play a great outfield. He can't really do anything else, though. But, maybe he can at least be a clubhouse guy. Kind of like Billy was. I think? Was he? I think JBJ has a little bit more swagger to him. He won a World Series, so he's accomplished. I think guys will listen to him. He's been to an All-Star game. That's pretty cool. Was Billy Hamilton ever elected to an All-Star game? I actually have no idea. But still, these minor league deals, they usually turn out to be nothing. And it could be nothing. But I still give the Royals credit for taking a shot and getting a guy that they might genuinely need. I mean, who do we have to play center field? Best bet is Kyle Isbell. But can Kyle Isbell hit? Okay, Kyle Isbell can probably hit better than JBJ. That's that, that's true. But what about the days when Isbell isn't playing? I don't know. It's whatever. But I like it. I, I actually like this move. I see the upside in it. I don't know if the Royals are actually going to hit that upside. If they are able to do something with this bat, then great. Because I know that they're going to get something out of his glove. Or maybe they'll just keep him in the minor leagues for however long they need and he'll get bored and leave or we just cut him at some point. Whatever. It's fine. But I like the move a lot. So I wanted to talk about that. But he's another guy that you can potentially add to the outfield. Especially in center field, Which is a really shallow position for the Royals. So, last subject of the day. And maybe last subject of the week. I should have mentioned. I want to say that i'll be able to do a I'll, I'll go back to doing mondays and fridays i i actually wanted to do a podcast on friday and then stuff came up i'm still busy with some other stuff i mean i'm always going to be busy with other stuff but at least for now we'll stick to monday uploads and then if friday if if i can find time to do a friday upload this week then great you'll get two podcasts this week uh but it's spring training so i'm not going to be like well it doesn't even have to be about spring training i have i still have lots of stuff to talk about whatever okay Let's just get back to the main topic at hand. The last thing I wanted to talk about is the pitch clock. Because the pitch clock is a brand new addition to the game. It's been tested in the minors for a couple years now, or, or I think a year. I think it was just one year, right? Whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's coming in the majors, and they're already doing it in spring training. It's a 15-second timer. And when, if, 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 when those 15 seconds are up, if the pitcher is not already in his windup. well, that's a ball that goes right to the batter. But the batter also has to be ready. In fact, it's a maybe arguably more strict for the batter where it's like if the batter has to be in the box, ready for a pitch, eight seconds in the timer. They have eight seconds to do that. So MLB is like totally cutting down on... The dead time of the game, basically, where you've got pitchers walking around the mound, fumbling with the rosin bag, doing whatever it is, looking at signs constantly, having meetings with the catcher. Also, they can only throw to first base twice. They can only do that two times per batter, I believe. So they so if you uh so so if you haven't picked off the runner on your second attempt, hmm. That should actually be really interesting. I really want to see what's going to happen if someone tries to pick off throws but then they fail. Then you're probably going to get guys like just just like just straight up walking to the second base. Like what are you what, what do you even do about it at that point? Can you just leave the mound and run at them? Is that possible? Is that legal? I have no idea. I should look into this. That would be funny. I I want to see pitchers just run at guys. Um but also you know this goes to the batters as well. How many times do batters just stand there, take practice swings, adjust their gloves, do all this extraneous stuff? Baseball, and baseball is doing this because fans have been complaining about this a lot. Fans, are a lot just like, this sucks. Why do they do this? I mean, how many times have you? I, I hear this all the time. I'm asking you. The, I'm asking you, Mister or Mrs. or other viewer. How many times have you heard someone say baseball's boring? You know what? I don't blame someone for saying baseball is boring because, you know what? It's really boring sometimes because nothing happens sometimes. And I like sugarcoating it saying that, well, you know, stuff does happen if you're really invested in it. Um, obviously, in high stakes games. Stuff happens constantly or the atmosphere is what's great. And I personally like having baseball on to multitask. I u- usually, when baseball's on, I'm playing a game. I'm reading a manga. I'm doing something other, uh, some uh, some other stupid stuff. But I, that's also in a way a flaw. Like, I'm not constantly invested and engaged with the game. Why? Because a lot of it is staring at nothing. A lot of it is staring at just dudes not doing anything. So baseballs finally said, okay, we're going to make sure the game is progressing at a at a consistent clip. So, yeah, like the, the pitch clock is something that's technically been in the rules for a long time, but it was literally never enforced. And so now, they're enforcing it. There's a pitch clock for every single pitch, and it's been very interesting so far. It's had very, very interesting results. I believe there was a game where it was literally called on a strike three because um, the batter wasn't in the in the box on time. I think it was actually Manny Machado. Uh, no, it wasn't Manny Machado, but it was someone. It was like bottom of the ninth. I got it open. Sorry for the audio. Oh, no, I'm, I don't have the express written consent of the MLB to show this. Um, Yeah, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, full count, two outs, batter is out on a pitch clock violation, which is a strikeout. That's how the game ends. And I've seen some people be like, and and, and by people, I just mean like random people. I don't know if anyone in the industry, be it, you know, like podcasters like me or people who actually work for MLB. I don't know if they're saying it, but I just see people saying, oh, they can't do that. Like, they, they can't call that, they can't call a pitch clock violation like that in such a high-stakes scenario. You know, which, sorry, did it again. Which was literally the highest stakes possible. Tie game, full count, bases loaded, uh, two outs. But, honestly, that's why they should call it. They should they should call it right, They they should call it in that situation. Because if you don't, then why call it at all? Like if you if you want to make an excuse and say well this situation is too like it's it's too high stakes you know it's too exciting you know it's it's kind of like the holding it's like honestly it's the same thing as the holding call in the Super Bowl where you want to say like oh they should they should have just let that play go but if you let that play go then it's just what about all of the other times they're gonna call it now we don't have to get into the that's a the Super Bowl is a can of worms. A whole different can of worms, but I'm at least in baseball. If you want to say, okay, full count bases loaded, tie game, two outs, you can't call a pitch clock violation, then what's stopping you from saying, well, hey, the whole ninth inning in a tie game is a really high stakes scenario. You can't call a pitch clock violation for that or the entire at bat or whatever. Like, you like if you just say, if you make one exception, you're just going to want to continuously move that line, it's going to be the the next. Uh, highest stake scenario where you're gonna be like, Oh, well, it you know really sucks for that to be called right then and there. I don't like, they can't do that. That's that's how they get to the problem that, that that that's how they get to the problem that we had in the first place with batters taking too long to get ready, pitchers taking too long to throw, because that was something that just gradually happened. Everyone just started doing it a little more. The league got really lenient on it. They just let it happen. And now we've got games that are averaging four hours a piece, which I don't think that's actually true. But since the pitch clock has been enforced for spring training, games are like two and a half hours. Like Like Royals games are finished in two and a half hours, or even less. I think the game that happened today was two hours, 15 minutes or something. Now it wasn't a lot, but... Uh, like when w- there are high scoring games that are two and a half hours, less than three hours for 10, 20 runs being scored, but across both teams. Now, keep in mind, it's spring training. It's not really like, like, like it's not as commercial. I guess you're not going to get a lot of commercials. There's less time spent between innings. Uh, You know, they're not at a big stadium where they've got, you know, fan games and things like that so i think games will be a little bit longer during the regular season but still overall it's a drastic reduction of game time but not like game action like you're still getting everything you want from a game you're still getting tons of runs being scored but you're getting this in in a much more manageable amount of time and i just think that's great like i think it would actually be great to not Spend four hours a day watching baseball. Look, I love baseball. I, I I do. But just because I'm spending more time watching it doesn't mean that I'm having more fun watching it. I mean, a lot of that time is just frankly wasted, as I said. So, I think it's really great that the pitch clock is being enforced. I think this is a really, really great addition to the game. And honestly, it might just keep me engaged with the game a lot more. Maybe I won't be thinking, okay, watching a Royals game. Let me check in on Chainsaw Man this week maybe I'm actually going to watch every pitch of the game because I don't have to you know constantly be finding other ways to amuse myself while I listen to Steve Fizziok talk fortunately that's not happening anymore because Steve Fizziok retired (laughs) thank god for no disrespect sorry, Steve Fizziok had a super long career so GG to him but man am I not going to miss him (laughs) That, is that mean to say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there are any Royals officials listening to this and being like, "How dare? How dare he? How dare that?" Mm. Anime weirdo, little nerd, <laughs> talking bad about Steve Physioc that way. It's true though. Anyway, I think it's a great addition, and I'm glad that they're calling it in these really severe situations because. That's what spring training is for. Get everyone used to this new rule. Look, no shame in getting that called on you. Like, it, like it's whatever. Everyone's going to forget about this game. So, but j- j- just make sure you know about it. You know, like, just get used to it because it's going to keep happening in, in MLB. It's going to keep happening in the regular season. And it, And when it does, it's going to matter a lot more. No one cares if you make a pitch clock violation in spring training. But if you make it in the game, it counts. It matters. So I'm glad that they're really enforcing this strictly. They should. And I hope they continue enforcing it strictly. I hope it's not going to be like this sticky stuff thing where, you know, they're like, okay, we're really serious about this and we're really cracking down on this issue. And everyone's like, oh, oh, God, they're actually going to do something about this. And then for like... Three weeks, they're like, oh, we, we got to check all the pitchers' extremities for any foreign substances. And, everyone, and it's like, whoa, they're really serious about this. And then after that, they're like, okay, we're, 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 we're bored. We're, we're, we're bored of doing this, so we're not going to bother with it anymore. I think this is a much different scenario, though, because it's not even just a pitcher's thing anymore. It's a batter's thing as well. So that's about it. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk about this week that's uh all that I have for today. Uh like I said, I'll try to get something done on Friday. Um again, I can't super guarantee that right now, but I, when when, the, when we get into the regular season, that'll definitely come back. Friday episodes will come back. I'll be doing Mondays and Fridays like I did last season. Um, and yeah, and I hope you uh, hope you'll be around for that. We'll talk about it when we get there. For now, that's going to do it for this episode of the Royal Deluxe Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to it. Send me your feedback at royaldeluxepodcast at gmail I would love to hear from you. Or hit me up on Twitter at royaldeluxepod. Or you can also check out the subreddit r slash Casey which I moderate, and we've got game threads talking about all kinds of Royals-related stuff over there every single day. And shout out to those guys because they're wonderful. At least, most of them are. Some of them, not so much. But I still appreciate them. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't want to come off as mean. Whoever you are, I hope you're having a good one. Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day. And I'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Lux, and go Royals!